You're listening to a three-part series titled Worship Is by Mary Jean Powers. In part two of this series, Mary Jean explores how worship is fearing God. For more information and audio content, visit www.getthewordout.cc. Worship is fearing God. If anyone has the right to say, been there, done that, it was Solomon. He denied himself nothing his eyes desired, Scripture tells us. If it could be bought, he bought it. If he wanted to do something, he did it. Solomon was not only the wisest, but also the richest man alive. He was intelligent, creative. He was famous as a writer, musician, scientist, leader, and <laughs> he was really into women. You can read the details of his life in 1 Kings 4 and 2 Chronicles chapter 9. Quite a guy, really. After Solomon had seen it all and done it all, and having made both wise and foolish choices and seen the consequences, he offers us a summary of life. Known as the traditional author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon concludes his writing with what he calls the conclusion of the matter. And here it is. Fear God and do what he says. Solomon was also a worshiper. Maybe he got that from his father, David. There's a great story in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 about the time he offered a thousand burnt offerings before the Lord. It was right at the beginning of his reign as king. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Whoa, if God said that to you, how would you reply? Solomon had an honest and humble response, which really made God happy. In verse 10, Solomon said, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? So God blessed Solomon with wisdom, knowledge, and wealth, riches, and honor, like no king before him had ever known. Solomon was a worshiper who feared God. Listen now to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and hear Solomon's connection between fearing God and the lifestyle of worship. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger, My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Did you catch that? When you go to worship, do so with reverent, humble fear. 
Our understanding of the fear of God is generally quite limited. The word fear itself conjures up a wide range of emotion and thought, most of which is negative. So what is the fear of the Lord? Here are a few bullet points to get us started. The fear of the Lord is caring more about what God thinks than what others think, or even what I think, and then acting on what God says. The fear of the Lord is hating what God hates and loving what he loves. To obey him, even if I don't understand, and even if I disagree, that's the fear of the Lord. How often does my weak, frail, puny human flesh truly understand God's way anyway? If I serve and obey a God that can always be understood by my tiny little brain, <laughs> he's not much of a God, is he? I don't see everything he sees, so how can I possibly know what's best? I can't. But what I can do is trust him, even if I don't understand. What I can do is trust him and prove my trust by my obedience. Love obeys, even when I don't understand. 1 John 5, 3 says, This is love for God. Keep his commands. So to trust him, that's the fear of the Lord. To respect his Godness, to honor him with my lifestyle and my choices, and to agree with him that his way is best. This is the fear of the Lord. The best way I can think of to describe the fear of the Lord is this. With my arms outstretched, I passionately proclaim, I love you, sir at which time I stand at attention and salute him. This is most definitely a correct response to God. This is worship. It's a holy combination of adoration and absolute allegiance to his sovereignty. There's also a part of fearing God that does include being afraid of him, but it's similar to being afraid of the power of the ocean or a hurricane. You respect it. You stand in awe of it. You don't mess with God. God is for real. There's this intense verse in Luke chapter 12. It says, Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. But as Jesus continues this same teaching, his tone changes. It softens. He begins to calm our fears. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He knows everything about you, but you don't need to be afraid of him. If you're afraid of someone, you don't trust them. This is not the fear of the Lord. In fact, to fear God is to trust him. That's why we worship him, because we trust him, and because he is sovereign, and because he is good. He's my God. To fear him is not being afraid of him as much as it is not wanting to displease him. To fear him is to trust him as the only wise God 
and to want to honor him so much that you make an effort to please him with your words and your actions. This facet of relationship with him is similar to a healthy relationship you would have with an authority figure, as with a father whom you both adore and respect. To fear God is also to be so consumed with his presence that you are aware of him all the time. This level of God consciousness is also worship. It's living your life before him and making your decisions based upon his divine presence. The closer you get to God, the more you realize how intensely focused he is on you. It's not a smothering love or a controlling love in which he forces himself upon you, but a perfect love that sees all, hears all, knows all, and makes himself completely available to you. As you grow to know him in this way, your love for him and your worship of him deepens. But it is also disarming to realize how very you-centered his love really is. In the fear of the Lord, we stand stunned in wonder of his limitless goodness. He is so other than his knowledge, it's past finding out. His wisdom, unfathomable. He is all and in all, greatly to be feared. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Lion and the Lamb, in passionate pursuit to own every part of us, and yet in compassionate gentleness to heal every part of us. This is worship. This is the fear of the Lord. So stop now. Bow before him in worship and ask for the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Make this a daily habit because the Lord is exalted. He dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. This concludes part two of the Worship Is series. Join us for part three as Mary Jean explores how worship is leaving a legacy.